the 17th of May, 2021. So I've come here to do good deeds and to develop our mind to be higher. And so this bhavana, this cultivation, its uh, development, and uh, that's what we're doing. We're cultivating and developing the mind, as we said here, right? We're making our minds higher, better than they were before. And in order to do this, we need to rely upon the Dhamma. We see that this mind, it relies upon this body. And when it comes in, it attaches and clings to this body. Uh, but this body is of the nature to constantly deteriorate. You see all of its various parts, all of its organs, they all need to break down, that none of them stay, none of them last. They're all changing. And so we have this uh, clinging towards the body. We see all of its parts, they always change. And uh, like the Buddha said, uh, Sabe Sankara Anicca, that all Sankaras, all conditioned phenomena, they're Anicca, they're constantly changing. These teeth of ours, for example, they're changing. And if they're in a normal state, then we feel that they're a source of happiness. But that's because pain hasn't arisen within them yet. So we feel at ease, we feel comfortable with these teeth. But it's when they start to deteriorate, when problems arise, that's when suffering comes up. And it's true for all the other organs. A heart, uh, kidneys, the liver, these are very important, vital organs for the body. But if they deteriorate or if problems arise within them, um, then we can suffer a lot. And even though we may try to be cautious, we may try to uh, stop disease, uh, these things have to fall apart. They have to deteriorate following their nature. So there are many different things which affect the body. The food that we eat, the weather, the emotions that we feel, uh, the sleep that we get. These are all important things for our health. And our food is especially important for monks um, to contemplate before we eat that the reason for us eating is to alleviate the painful feelings that we have in the body, but to not give rise to any new painful feelings, which essentially is just to know a sense of enoughness, a sense of moderation in eating. That if we eat too much, or if we're too excessive with any kinds of food that we have, then that's not <clears throat> getting things in balance. Like if... <clears throat> the food we have is too spicy, then this can harm the body. If we eat too much sweet food, too much sour food, then this causes damage to the body. And uh, so if the body is well in balance, if there's a sense of enoughness with what we put into the body, then illness doesn't arise. We see that even bitter things, that they are generally good for the body, but if we have too much, then this also brings drawbacks as well. So like the pollen from a lotus flower, that this is good for one's health, but if one has too much, um, then it makes the body out of balance. 
And so this is important, um, getting things just right, getting things in balance. And what about our minds then? Well, it's normal that when the mind has delusion, that when we see a form through the eye, it will start proliferating based upon that delusion. There'll be liking towards that form or disliking towards it, and it'll start proliferating. And this is what our lives are like. This is what we go through in our lives. And so there's always this clinging to me and to mine. And this constantly arises due to the proliferation that we have. So what should we do then? We need to train, because a well-trained mind brings happiness. And if we don't train these minds, they'll always be in a deluded state, which causes us to constantly suffer. And it's the mind which experiences that suffering. But if we contemplate every single day, seeing that all of these conditioned formations, they're changeable, they're always changing. And so do we see that? Is that actually the case? And when the mind is in a peaceful state, then we can use that to contemplate in the body. But it's normal for practitioners to want to get quick results. We may read the scriptures and read about how people um, watch their mind, looked at the mind, and they attained to the Dharma very quickly through that method. Like Venerable Subhata, he looked at his mind, and he could see the objects of the mind there. And then he could separate those two out, separate the mind out from its objects, and through doing that he was able to attain to arahantship. But the thing is, is that he had been seeking for this freedom for a very long time already, freedom from suffering. He'd already kept his precepts and sila very well, and his samadhi was already well established. And uh, we see that um, those people, or the Brahmins at that time, they often kept very good sila, and many of them, especially the hermits, um, they were well found, well established in their samadhi. But it's just that wisdom hadn't yet arisen for him, because he didn't know this path that could lead out of suffering. So we see that both sila and samadhi, these are there outside of the Buddha sasana. And um, he had already brought his mind to peace to a degree, like all the hermits that had practiced off in seclusion. One of the three Kasapa brothers, um, they could attain to arahantship, and that was due to the stillness, the peace, the collectedness, the settledness, the firmness of their minds. And so the Buddha gave them this teaching on heat, saying that form is hot, it's burning, and the eye is burning. And then when there's that sense contact, when the eye sees a form, that perception we get of that, that is burning. And so they thought, well, how is it possible then to have these feelings, to have this contact, but for that, for that to not be burning, for that to not be hot? Well, we have to abandon self. And if we don't abandon that self, then there will always be clinging to this body. 
And if we cling to the body, then this body is always deteriorating, then we need to be deteriorating as well. So suppose that there was one kind of body which never deteriorated, never degenerated, there was never any illness that arose within it. It was just perfectly at peace and at ease in this way. It didn't need any medicine at all. But maybe it had to still eat food. And so you had to go through the difficulty of feeding this body. But what about if there was a kind of body that didn't need any coarse food? All it required was just the air that it breathed, that that was its sustenance. It didn't need any of this coarser food. And so there wouldn't be any need to go out and get exhausted looking for this other kind of food. There'd be a lot of joy, a lot of happiness having this kind of body. We see now that during this present time, that a lot of people, they're ill at ease. Um, they have a lot of fear in them. Um, because they take these false refuges. And we see that um, the mountains and forests, the parklands, sacred sites, um, that these aren't true refuges. They're not secure. They're not supreme. And they don't bring complete release from suffering. So when people have respect for something, when they hold it up very highly, but that thing that they hold up, it doesn't help them, um, then they can become averse towards that. And maybe it's not able to keep them safe from COVID. And so, say a person like this, they get COVID, and then they get angry, and they destroy the images of these devas, or these celestial beings, or deities that they hold in high respect. But in reality, they should be destroying their wrong views instead, their views tied up with self this delusion that they have believing in self. Because the Buddha taught that this body is something that is unstable. And if we don't understand that truth, um, then we should ask ourselves, well, these arahants, these beings who had great merit, why is it that they needed to get sick? They, for, for these people who don't understand that, um, who don't want to get ill in this way, who think that because of the merits that they have created they shouldn't get ill, that shows that they have merit, but they don't have kusala, they don't have skillfulness. Because the merits that we do, um, it makes our minds at ease. We see that even the Arahants, they had to pass away. Even the great teachers, the Krubhajans, who we respect very highly, all of them had to pass away. But if merit meant that we never got sick, then none of these beings would get sick, none of them would have died. And so their bodies had to deteriorate, they all had to break and pass away, they all had to die, and so we're in the same boat as them. But the result of merit is that it brings brightness and happiness to our minds. But it can't stop death. Because this body is a heap of deterioration. So 
So if there was a kind of body that never experienced any pain, that never got hungry, that never experienced any suffering, then we'd feel very at ease in that body. But this isn't the body of a human, this is the body of a deva, of a celestial being. And that kind of body, it doesn't need any food, like human food. And uh, it'll be better in this state. And so we suppose that we had that kind of body that never required any food, that didn't get pain, that never got any aches, that never felt hot, too hot or too cold, then this would be quite good. It would be a step up. But the mind, it's still not in a peaceful state. It's still not settled. It's still frantic. And so even though there's happiness in the body, there's still this suffering there in the mind because there is still that attachment there within our hearts. And there's fear that arises as well because we know that we're not able to stay with that kind of body in that state for long. It's something that's temporary too. It's like how the wealthy people in the world, when they gain their wealth, they've got happiness from that, but alongside that happiness also comes fear as well because they know that that's just temporary wealth. They can't stay with it forever. And being separated from the things that we like and the things that we love, that this is a kind of suffering. What about if there was a body that was even more subtle than this? That there was fullness um, in the mind as well, this joy within our hearts. And um, this would be a better state. There wouldn't be suffering there due to the firm establishment of samadhi. And so this is a mind of a Brahma, a Brahma god. And people who can get into deep states of samadhi, they're able to reach the states. They know what it's like. They know about the joy that arises within the heart, how full, how contented it can be. And it can stay like this all day long, being happy and joyful in the state. And so this is a better way of being. So there are the bodies of humans, there's the body of a deva, there's the body of a Brahma, God. And these Brahma gods, they feel this contentment, this inner satisfaction in their minds. So we know what it's like to have this satisfaction, that when we eat food, then we feel full. And that's fullness in the body. But for a Brahma god, it's fullness in their minds. And so for us, we create goodness, we help out in society. Perhaps we give a tip to a taxi driver and that makes them happy because they're going through hard times now. And we help out in many different ways. And this brings a fullness in our hearts, a sense of inner satisfaction, a happiness that comes up. Or the doctors and nurses who help out their patients, those who are going through pain. And they can feel a fullness in their hearts in this way as well. We come and chant and we listen to the Dhamma and we gain that inner satisfaction through doing these activities. And through doing this, then our hearts have raised up to the level of the Deva. We have these physical human bodies, but the mind is that of a Deva. And so it's very good uh, for the mind to be in this state, for it to be full in this way, filled up with goodness. And this is its food.
Uh, but when the mind attaches, attaches to form, attaches to feelings, uh, to the very sounds, the various uh, tastes that we experience, uh, then there is suffering that arises due to that attachment. But despite that, we carry on creating goodness and bringing up this inner fullness. We do merits, we help out, we offer the four requisites to the monastics, give medicine, which is very important during these times, give food and uh, robes and lodgings. And through doing this, the mind becomes, it goes up to the level of the deva. Have these, um, well, we know what it's like to have a human body and a human mind. That's something that we're very aware of. But there are also those beings who have human bodies, but they don't have sila, they don't have virtue. And their mind falls lower than the human realm, and it creates a lot of chaos. There's a lot of disturbance caused by that. Uh, but it's very few the kinds of people who have human bodies, but their minds are truly human. And their intent in walking this path of generosity, of virtue, and of mental cultivation, of raising their minds and their lives to a higher level, up to the deva realm. And then when it goes even higher than this, that the body is a human, but the mind is a Brahma god, then there's even more a sense of fullness, of inner satisfaction. And so there's great merit um, in these states. But we should come to contemplate in order to gain an understanding of it as well. But these things are of the nature to change, and wisdom can arise from this. And so this is true for the human, that this state changes. It's true um, for these other realms, that they change as well. And so we really put our effort into this mental cultivation to make ourselves better, to become a kalyana chana, a good being, one with a beautiful heart, a heart that is well-founded in generosity and virtue and in meditation. And we practice to make the mind peaceful and to contemplate into reality and to seeing the nature of things, and to see how when we're born we need to get old, don't we? that this body needs to get sick, doesn't it? And eventually it needs to die. And different things, the different parts of this body, they need to break, just like these teeth. Then they eventually break apart, and the skin splits and breaks apart. And these are things that are beyond our control. And for the things which are outside of our sphere of influence and control, well, the Buddha asked, can we actually take those, rightly take those, as being ours? If we think that they're me and they're mine, that that shows that these minds of ours are deluded. But we should contemplate to see that they really aren't me or mine. And an understanding arises here. We see into the Dhamma right here. So this training to develop the mind, to make it higher and better, depends upon this path of Zila, Samadhi, and Panya. And this is the way that takes us to freedom. To, for the mind to meet with this 
inner nature of awakening, this inner Buddha. We see that the Lord Buddha, he was the fully self-awakened one, that he had realized this Dhamma by himself. He was uh, the one who knows, the awakened one, the joyful one. And he taught us this path to cure all suffering, all distress, the whole lot of it. And so with the COVID virus, people are coming up with medicines, vaccines to cure this, to prevent it. But this is just temporary. It's not something that can last forever. But the medicine that the Buddha gave us, which is this path of sila, samadhi, and banya, this is something that's able to permanently defeat all suffering. And so may all of you really be set on this path. Really set your hearts on it, have firm intention for both the laity and for the monastics to bring up this will to practice. And so this really is the way that takes us out of all suffering. It's genuine. It's a really amazing path as well. When it comes up, it's something that's very profound. When we gain this clear insight, we know for ourselves that joy, it's like this, that when we experience samadhi, the heart gets full in this way. Both the body and the mind become bright and radiant like this. And it feels like the mind will just leave the world. And then we contemplate into death, and we can see that the body is just empty. It's elements. It's just a heap of emptiness. Something that deteriorates. And through seeing this, the mind becomes empty as well. We understand clearly that there's no me, there's no mind within it. When we see a form via the eye, and then the mind creates all this stuff about it, it gives a label saying, it's this name or that name, it's a person, it's an animal, it's a male or it's a female. But we know that in actuality, these things, they're not really there. They're not real. We ask, well, us and other people, is there any different? This earth element and other earth elements, this water element, this fire element, this earth, this air element, and the other water, fire, and air elements, is there any difference between them? And we see that there isn't. And when a me doesn't exist, then a them doesn't exist either. But what about the mind? What about the mental qualities? Well, these too are within the five khandhas. The feelings that we gain, our perception or memory, the thoughts and the emotions, and the sense uh, consciousness. Um, these are within the five khandhas. So there's both the physicality and the mentality. But when the mind, this knowing element, doesn't have delusion, then it will become empty and understand that there is no me, there is no mine. And here it gains freedom through walking this path of sila, samadhi, and panya. And so may all of you bring up the will, this sincerity to train, to practice. <laughs> 